all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. We all get them. We all hate them. Spam. There was a time, long ago, when it was just your mailbox and your inbox that got hit with superfluous ads and scams, but now, my phone rings all day long, and all of the calls are spam. All of them. If you're not on my contact list, I'm not picking up. And the texts have gotten bad lately. Does anyone else feel that? The past few years, the texts, the spam texts, every new ping is spam. Did you know that most of that spam is actually illegal and that you, yes, you can sue the company sending it out and make a few hundred bucks? That's what my next guest did. He's David Weekly, and he's the subject of the recent motherboard story. This guy sued a spam texter and got $1,200, and you can too. David, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and telling us your tale. You bet. Happy to be here. All right, can I get a little bit of uh, background on you? Sure. So my background's as a nerd. Uh, my father's father's job title was computer. So I like to tell people I am one quarter computer. Uh, I started programming at the age of five, uh, worked for MIT Lincoln Laboratories and Harvard Physics Laboratories, and then came out to the West Coast to get my computer science degree. So I'm, uh, I'm a nerd through and through. Uh, I love probing aspects of um, spam and internet infrastructure and pushing back to make it just a, a little bit harder for people who are abusing the system to annoy people. All right. So I think we've all given up the fight against spam in our inbox, or at least I have in uh, our mailbox, but the phone feels like a bridge too far. I think for a lot of people, how often, what is your personal spam situation? Like how often do you get texts and calls? Oh my God. So I have my Apple do not disturb mode automatically set me in DND sleep mode through to 6.30 a.m. And usually within about a minute or two of it hitting 6.30, my Apple watch will will start buzzing with notifications about spam calls, uh, spam text messages, et cetera. Uh, So it's, it's pretty prevalent. One of the things I found really weird about some of these spam calls is that I would say about half of them are just silence. So if I pick up, it's just silence. Uh, It'll go through to my voicemail and it'll leave just three minutes, the full maximum allotment of time of just silence. And it's like, I'm not even clear what the game is here. Is the plan that I call back and then there's somebody trying to sell me something there or, or what? It's just, there's a, this rich panoply of schemes. Um, some of which are older and some of which are newer. Uh, this year has been all about the, um, pig butchering schemes. The wrong, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. No, this is not what I have heard. Ah, so, so. Th- this starts with somebody texting something um, a little unusual. So you get a text message like, uh, Elaine, can you pick up my dress for the gala tonight? Right. That, that, that sounds sort of vaguely high class. This is a rich person doing an important thing and they've got the wrong number. And so you text back, I'm so sorry. This is the wrong number. And they, oh, so sorry. My assistant must have entered your number wrong. Is this not Elaine? And like, no, this isn't Elaine. Right. I'm terribly sorry, but you sound nice. Dot, dot, dot. Right. 
Tell me a little bit about yourself. And and uh, some of these end up being fabulously complex schemes where they will direct you to like an investment platform where um, they've been making lots of money. And so maybe you can too. And there'll be this whole elaborate website where you can go and log in and wire in money. And of course, the, the difficulty comes at the point where later as your uh, investments have accrued, actually withdrawing them back to your bank account. And then there's interesting technical issues. So it's a very long form game, which is why this uh, operation is called pig butchering. They're they're fattening you up over time. They're willing to spend months going in and doing it. So it's the Nigerian prince scam just uh, elevated and done a little bit better, basically. It's a much more sophisticated version of the Nigerian prince scam. Now, that's funny. Most of mine are uh, online Viagra ads, texts, and people trying to get me to sell a house that I rented 10 years ago. Like that for some reason, my name is attached to forever in some record. And they're always reaching out being like, hey, do you still live here? We can get you a good price. Like, I don't even live in that state anymore. Please leave me alone. Yeah, those ones are very peculiar. You know, getting calls from, I'm a realtor in your area and I'd like to know if if you are interested in selling your home and you, you hang up and you call back and it's an, uh, it, it's a, a unlisted number. Uh, and, and, and it just immediately gives you a uh, carrier error. So does Apple Android, I found has been pretty good about, they're starting to figure out like they're flagging, like, okay, this is a spam number. Don't answer this. It'll be big and red on the screen when it rings through. And it will also, it does a lot of auto blocking, it seems to be yeah. building a database somewhere where it's auto-blocking spam. Is Apple – how is Apple with that stuff? So first off, I, I don't work for Apple. I don't have any sort of inside privy knowledge as to what Apple may or may not be doing. Um, my understanding is that uh, Apple is not doing anything vis-a-vis carrier delivery of SMS messages. So Apple runs the iMessage network. Um, this can be a little confusing for non-technical users because they use this one application um, to go and send both green text messages and blue text messages. But they're in- entirely different text stacks and, and technologies. You know, every blue message text that you send or receive, uh, you're sending through Apple instead of sending through a carrier. And it's sent as data messages to Apple servers. Um, but SMS works very differently, works using the same cellular messaging protocols sent to and from your carrier. And it's just that Apple puts all of this together in one app called Messages and makes it sort of deliberately seamless so that if you're messaging somebody who's also an Apple user, it'll be blue text. Uh, If you're messaging somebody who's not, then it's green text. And so I would formulate the question in terms of what is Apple doing to block spam messages sent via green text? And, and and as far as I know, the answer is nothing. They're just relying on the carriers themselves to to do the spam filtering. So pretty much every carrier in the U.S. Um, has a special number, 7726, to which you can forward a spam text message. And in theory, this should help inform their spam filtering capabilities, Um in practice, it's a little bit of a black box. So I've been doing this for years, right? So 
I'm just I'm looking down at my phone at messages that I sent on to 7726, you know, transparent cost for award-winning web design services, elegantwebagency.com to opt out reply end. And of course, never reply to an unsolicited message like this, because that'll just let them know that you, you're actually there and reading the message. And then Verizon re- responds, you know, thanks for reporting spam, reply with the sender's message. He pasted in the number and it says, thanks, we appreciate your assistance, and then suggests blocking the number. But of course, this is useless because every single bit of spam that you get is going to be from a distinct phone number. So yeah, they, Verizon doesn't seem to have been doing a great job. Of course, I'm, I have no visibility into how many attempted messages they succeeded in uh, blocking so that I never saw them. Um, and it seems to be kind of variable, right? So it seems like the, they'll get sort of the algorithms figured out for a month or two and you won't get too many spam messages. And then um, a whole bunch of stuff will will slip through the cracks. Yeah, it does feel like some days are worse. Like you were just constantly fielding weird calls, right? And the, mm-hmm. the silent ones do, I think the silent ones are, they're just seeing if someone picks up. If someone even answers that phone call, then you maybe get forwarded onto a different set of systems. But anyway... We could be, could be. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, tell me about the spam text that finally set you off onto into the lawsuit land. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll get a spam text that is kind of actionable. They'll use a uh, URL shortener that'll happen to know has pretty good takedown policies. Um, s- sending spams is a violation of uh, Bitly's terms of service, for instance. So if somebody uses Bitly as a URL shortener, you can go to Bitly abuse and say, hey, I got this spam text messages that uses a uh, Bitly short link. And very quickly, they will they will go and take that down. They they're not happy with people abusing their services. So I've used that before to pretty quickly deplatform spammers. Um, and presumably, although I don't really know, Bitly can use this signal to block other short links created by the same account uh, or from that IP. If they're doing their job well, that in theory is what they're what they're doing. Um, similarly, I've reached out to uh, web hosts, to domain hosts and registrars. Uh, about abuse of their service. And I've gotten spammers taken offline. I've gotten their websites shut down before. Um, And that was always gratifying. But in this particular... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I just have to... I got to back up one second. I got a question here. Um, Most of us just block and move on or we just live with it. You... This this sounds like it's been a long crusade for you. Why, why, Why are you so excised by this? Yeah. So first off, block, as we discussed, does absolutely nothing because they're never going to reuse a phone number. So people who say, oh, just block the number and move on, like that's almost willfully ignorant of the scope and scale of the problem. Um, The second aspect is that scammers business models are really around creating a very large top of pipeline. So if you can go and annoy a million people, you can get a thousand of them to engage and you can make good money off of a hundred of them. So you, you map out the economics, right? Does this make sense economically for me to do? Um, there's very little like just legitimate evil in this world where, where people are just trying to annoy others or harm others. There, people are self-interested, right? And so these scammers are, are rational actors attempting to figure out if this is a, a rationally economic thing for them to do, to go and like send lots and lots of spam. 
So all you need is a handful of people who substantially increase the risk and increase the cost to change the calculus for a lot of these folks. So for instance, the the insurance company that sent me the spam text message that led to the lawsuit that was the subject of the article, um, I actually don't think they're terrible people. They were just trying to get more clients and they reached out to a broker that ended up spamming a whole lot of people and they will never do that again. And they're going to tell their friends like, hey, don't do it because some punk is going to go and sue you in small claims court for a TCPA violation, which by the way, is not an abuse of the law. This is specifically exactly why these provisions were written into law so that people like me, like your listeners would go out and actively exercise those rights to make spamming more economically burdensome, which will reduce the amount of spam that we receive. So you're an advocate for all of us chasing down our spammers. And it doesn't need to be all of us, right? Because even if you look at the the calculus here, and if like a tenth of a percent, if one out of every a thousand people was like, hey, I heard this crazy thing where I could go and sue a spammer for like 500 to 1500 bucks um, and went and, and ran with that, the economics of the spam industry would be completely destroyed and you just would not see any more spam. All right, so tell me again, who who reached out to you exactly, and why was this the one that you decided to pursue? Or have you pursued others that we just didn't write about? So I, I have not pursued others in small claims court. Um, so I, I want to mention that uh, in the course of this discussion, I'm going to omit the specific name of the business. It's not because I actually signed some sort of settlement agreement with them where, where I agreed I wouldn't. I'm just trying to do it in good faith because they settled in good faith and I don't want to go and throw them under the bus, right? Again, I don't think this particular company was trying to do anything nefarious. They were just trying to drum up more business and chose a way that is unlawful to do so. So on June 20th at 1.47 p.m., I got a text message saying, overpaying on your workers' comp policy, uh, green check emoji, green check emoji, green check emoji. We beat the competition on workers' comp, general liability, and commercial auto. Simply text back that you're interested, and we'll do the rest. And then it included the name of the company, uh, a phone number, and an email address. And I was like, this is pretty clearly like they're they're identifying themselves very clearly a lot of spam text messages is super unclear on purpose uh, who sent it but the identity of the sender was just right there in that message so i decided to go look them up and sure enough they're a california corporation and so i was able to on the secretary of state website go and look up who the agent for service of process was um and now i've got a name i've got a mailing address i have i'm in california they're in california um, this seems like a really cookie cutter TCPA violation uh, where I can come after the party because I can identify them very specifically. I looked through all of my logs and correspondence that I'd never done business with them. So um, I was like, okay, well, just for giggles, what, what can I do here? What remedies are available to me? And I was familiar with TCPA. My name's been on the federal do not call list for many years. So uh, by my interpretation, it's like, this is a willful violation. So I went to small claims court and they said, well, you need to issue a demand letter first. So I issued a demand letter um, that said, hey, you guys have violated TCPA and under TCPA, I'm entitled to damages 
Um, and because I believe this to be a willful violation, I believe that I'm entitled to $1,500. And I sent it, sent it via signature delivery to the agent for service of process, gave them 10 days to respond. I didn't hear back a thing, right? I'm like, okay, I've given them due notice um, and I now can go ahead and proceed. So uh, I went and electronically filed uh, with the court here in uh, San Mateo County. And it cost about 35 bucks to go do that. Um, the next day uh, it gets marked as accepted. I get the formal court paperwork and uh, I Google around to find a process server that can actually d- deliver uh, that I can serve the papers on the registered agent. I do so. And all of a sudden I start getting text messages um, from, from this guy in email. I got nothing from the demand letter, right? So um, it does get people's attention if they are actually being sued because uh, if they don't show up in court, then uh, you, you have you have an issue with the default judgment being issued against you. Um, wh- when I first wrote up this stuff, my assumption was that if the default judgment was issued, that the courts would be helpful in, in helping you collect. And it t- turns out I was mistaken there. I had a, a number of friends and, and lawyers reach out and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> the courts are, are, are kind of remarkably unhelpful in helping you actually collect a default judgment. Like, yeah, it's, it's not of- like a, it's not like they automatically debit you the other person's account, right? You the getting. The- <laughs> to pay is like a whole other thing. Mm. And this is something that I learned after kind of broadcasting my story and some of my assumptions, uh, some of which turned out to be, to be false. So it was, it was an interesting learning journey there. So anyhow, um, th- this guy reaches out and, you know, I, I don't actually want to go to court or anything like that. It's, it's a, it'd be a bunch of extra time for me. So I'm like, okay, let's see if we can just settle with this guy out of court. Um, so we we talked about things and he apologized profusely and I was like tell you what you give me 1500 bucks I'll take care of the 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 other expenses and the like he's like you know we're just we're we're just a small business I'm like okay fine 1200 bucks and I'll eat all of the other court costs he's like okay and he says he'll he'll mail me a check and of course you never really know until like the check shows up but sure enough on uh on July 26 I get a check for $1,200 for somebody who sent me a spam text message. And it was, it was kind of a fun and surreal moment. Like, holy shit, that actually worked. And um, so I, I took a, I took a goofy selfie. I, I look very unattractive in this photo, which has been pointed out by several people online. Um, but I, I, I put it just out for my Facebook friends and it kind of blew up among my Facebook friends. So I'm like, you know what, what the hell? So I go and I post it on Twitter just for giggles and it really blew up there. And I think it's because a lot of people don't realize that it is illegal for people to send you spam text messages. And there are remedies that are available to you as an injured party to directly sue for, for damages. So that was news for a lot of people. I had some people claim it was that, that I was trying to scam them, that, that actually this whole thing was false. I had some people call out that that was an obviously fake slash bogus check. It is just like, okay, guys, <laughs> some weird people on the internet. All right, cyber listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We are talking to David Weekly about suing spam texters and winning. We'll be right back after this. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, cyber listeners, you are back on. We are talking with David Weekly about suing spam texts uh, and how you can too. Yes, you. It's, I wouldn't say easy, but it's easier than I think people think it is. Um, can we talk about some of the background? We've thrown around the TCPA uh, a little bit here, but can you tell us the background of what is the Telephone Consumer Protection Act? How old is it? What is it? What are its provisions? I mean, as much as you know. So I, I want to be crystal clear. Uh, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give legal advice to you or your listeners here. This is all just pedestrian interpretation. But um, people have been annoyed by spam faxes, by spam phone calls uh, for a long time. Uh, the Telephone Con- Consumer Protection Act was originally passed in 1991, um, kind of predating text messaging really being a thing. Um, and has been amended and clarified uh, several further times, including in a number of U.S. Uh, Supreme Court cases. So it was later clarified that TCPA does actually cover text messages as well. But the, the high-level bit is that if you don't have a pre-established business relationship with an entity, um, then folks shouldn't be calling you. And if you're in a federal do not call list, that uh, entities need to respect that. They, if you're in a, if your number says do not call, people should not be calling it. <laughs> it's kind of that simple. And one of the interesting things that it did was it, it gave citizens the right to directly sue for $500 and for $1,500 uh, per infraction if it was viewed as, as willful. And also talk about, because there's kind of a first order thing everyone needs to do. Um, and I won't say that it takes care of the problem, but it makes it, it allows you to access some of the, the remediation is the do not call registry. Uh, is one of those things where before we got on the call, I was like, I feel like I vaguely remember putting my number on that. Uh, and then I went and looked and it turns out that yes, in 2010, which was a few years after I think some improvements had been made to it. I think in 2007, I had registered my phone doesn't seem to help, but there's a reason you do that. Can you walk me through what the do not call list is and why it's important? So it, it is a it is a list of phone numbers that are not to be contacted by solicitors. And so if you are solicited uh, at a do not call number, then that that is extra evidence that the that the violation is is willful. So in in my case. I was able to make an argument to the offender that because my phone number should have been avoided because it was on a uh, this federal do not call list, that it was a, a willful violation because they, they should have known to remove those numbers from their outreach. And as a result, uh, could claim treble damages. So $1,500 instead of $500. So how I'm trying to think we were talking about like the economics of all of this earlier. And I'm wondering if you feel for most people like this is going to be worth it. Like how often are you going to get a spam text that you're going to actually be able to run down and actually find an entity? 
Not very often, but I was able to discern that this was a effectively a suable entity very quickly. Like within about 30 seconds of receiving the spam text message, I could see that it came from a legitimate Californian business that was registered with the Secretary of State that had a registered agent for service of process. And at that point, uh, it was pretty clear that this was uh, an entity that I could identify. That's only going to be the case for, I'm going to make some numbers up here, 5 to 10% of the spam text messages that you get. So it's definitely not going to be uh, a super common case that they're going to be uh, near you, identifiable, and you can find, you know, who you'd, who you'd serve. Um, but it's, it's also non-zero. So it's, it's not uh, a crazy tiny segment of the, of the spam text messages that you get. And for other ones, even ones where you can't identify the party, like I mentioned earlier in this chat, um, there are things that you can do to make life more difficult for them, like reporting their short link to the short link abuse service and they tend to be responsive and will take them down. Uh, looking up their web hosts, contacting their web hosts, abuse department. Um, if they're sending affiliate links, going and contacting the brand um, that is is actually hosting and, and letting them know about affiliate abuse, which can get them completely removed from the program. So there's all sorts of different things that you can do uh, to to fight back and to make it more expensive to spam, which will re- start removing spam. It'll make it less economically attractive. And you did not need a lawyer to do this. Right. I, I did. I did not use a lawyer at all. Um, you know, it <laughs> it's a fifteen hundred dollar settlement sort of max case here. Um, and so small claims court was designed to be able to be navigable without a lawyer. Um, my corporate lawyer, I paid nine hundred dollars an hour to. So you can do the math and like pretty quickly. This becomes nonsensical. Um, people assumed that I spent an enormous amount of time on this. Like I had one person suggest I had spent like over a hundred hours on this. Um, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, I spent probably in grand total about four hours on this. And for a $1,200 settlement, that's $300 an hour. So it, it, my response to the people were like, God, what's your time worth? And I'm like, well, $300 an hour is not a terrible answer. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny to me because it like the way you describe it, I'm like on the line. I'm like that's <laughs> like that is it's just a little bit more work that I want to put in to get yeah. back at some of these people. And I think that that's you know, that's somewhat what they're relying on, right? Yeah. To a certain yeah. extent. As as much as they can occlude who they are. And also to be clear, like like you said, this is only gonna work for five to ten percent. Um it's going to work on legitimate businesses where you can track down and figure out who they are, where they're doing business, who to send the information to, who to serve. Um, The guys that are, that are sending me like Viagra links. I'm never like, that's never going to pan out. I'm never where it's actually going to a Romanian website that asks you to pay in Bitcoin. Like, yeah, no, you're, you're never going to find these people. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work on outright scams. It's more like legitimate businesses doing something a little shady. Right. Yep. I, th- I think I think that's right. Why do you think we have this? I think everyone just assumes that this is just the way it is, and we all just have to live with it. Why do you think we've gotten to this place where, like, I don't think I realized, even though my numbers on the do not call registry, I don't think I ever realized that like this is illegal and nobody should they shouldn't be doing it. 
Yeah, I, I think some of it is just awareness. So that was one of the reasons why I, I thought it was kind of fun to put this out there on Twitter and see the the engagement. Um, was not because this is a, a way I want to be famous, like that that guy who's who's spammers. Like I've got other things I want to be known for, other than that. But it's rather to to arm people and let them know this is something you can do. That people sending you spam text messages is is not only uh, annoying and frustrating, it's illegal and you are entitled to go and claim damages. And that's new information for a lot of people. And I think it's exciting for the public to sort of finally have that light bulb cl- come on when TCPA was passed in 1991. Uh, folks just, there hasn't been an advertising campaign that the federal government has done around it. Like, Hey guys, did you know? Um, and I think we could use that because, again, if only a tenth of a percent of people did this, the, the economics of the spam industry would completely change. The other thing that shocked me was how short the amount of time was from the point you got the spam text to you getting the payout. It's what, like two months? So the spam text message was sent on June 20th. Um, I, I sent that same later that same day um, the demand letter that I talked about. Um, it was signed for on June 24th. And then on July 5th, I, I timed out and I filed the suit. Um, it was accepted on July 6th. It was served uh, to to the party on July 9th. And I, I started hearing from the party on, on July 12th. And then I received the check on July 26th. Okay, so the so whole thing, just a soup little to nuts, a was, yeah, it was just over a month. So June 20th to July 26th. How are you still getting, I assume you are still getting spam calls and texts. Absolutely. I am. Although it was really funny as as part of the research I did for this, I found a service that will not only remove numbers from your outbound uh, calling that are on the do not call registry. It's like, yes, you should be doing this, but also as a separate service will remove TCPA plaintiffs from your outbound call list. So <laughs> thought this was, was this was kind of interesting that um this is sort of a counter defense now that uh the spammers have developed is to try and find and avoid uh jerks like me who will go and sue them. Um and so you could end up seeing some interesting auxiliary benefit if your phone number gets on the no really don't call or text these folks because they will sue you. The right? actual do not call list. The actual do not call list. Now, it's a little depressing. We shouldn't have to have an actual do not call list, right? Um, the do not call list should stand. Um, and yet it was, it was funny to find that there, there are TCPA plaintiff, uh, call lists and you really, really, really don't want to send messages to those people because they've demonstrated they're willing to go to court. This is maybe a question you don't have an answer to. Uh, but do you think that there is any kind of business or startup in this in a way that is, facilitating or helping people sue spam textures? So my honest answer is there could be, you know, I got a lot of pings from people like, Hey, you should start a company doing this. You've started a bunch of companies. Um, I don't think I want to go in and tackle this, but I think there could be a there, there, the, the company that's closest to this space is definitely uh, do not call. Right. Uh, no, do, sorry. Do, do not, do not pay. Is that yeah, do not pay is 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 what they're called. So, 
the world's first robot lawyer. I have no affiliation with these folks. Um, but um, they, this is apparently on their radar and they, they are the sort of company that I could see um, taking on something like this and, and making it accessible to people. David Weekly, what do you want to be famous for? <laughs> being helpful, being a nice guy, being a good dad. Um, I actually, this is kind of funny, but um, I've been involved with my school board just as a as, as a parent, and the uh, incumbent decided they weren't going to run. So I got dragged into running for school board last week. So <laughs> it's looking like I'm going to be on the school board, working on trying to help make sure that our, our kids get a good education. So if if I get a reputation for things like that and helping helping people learn, whether it's about the rights that they have to sue spammers or yeah, helping s- kids in our school district learn, then that's that's the sort of thing that I'd like to be known for. All right. That's all for this week's Cyber Listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back a little bit later this week with a live Twitch stream, another uh, dispatch from the Terraform book. It's a collection of Motherboard short stories. If you want to watch that live, check it out at twitch.tv forward slash Motherboard TV. You can follow us there and you'll be notified the minute that we start. David Weekly, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. 